Hello, everyone. Welcome to Unlocking Greatness podcast with Zenja Glass. Uh, feel free to call me Z. I was not planning um, at all on going live today. Uh, and I'm just uh, absolutely amazed that God just kept putting in my heart, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. So I'm just going to walk in obedience and do what I need to do. Um, but this was not planned in the least bit, just so you all know. Um, I love you all so much. I was so encouraged from my first live uh, broadcast that I did the other day. You guys really encouraged my heart. I was able to go back and look at all the comments, and I was so encouraged. Um, it seems like every time I get on air, I, I start crying, and you guys must think I walk around crying all the time. I actually really don't, but God just moves so much in my heart. Uh, by the time I'm ready to air it and talk about it, it's so heavy in my spirit. Um, Yesterday, I spent quite a bit of time, probably about three hours, literally just praising God. I was in my room uh, and I had name name an artist from Tasha Cobbs to Donnie McClurkin, um, all of them. I had uh, playing artists and just really getting in the spirit to the point where my daughter, my daughter's visiting from college. She came in the room and she was in the room just dancing with me and just we just were lifting our hands up and just praising God. And um I went to bed. I w- when I woke up this morning, I got up very, very early. And you know what God put in my heart? Um, the story of Job. Um, there's sometimes that God causes or allows trouble in our lives. And so the title of this message is, um, I think I'm going to call it um, when God uh, causes trouble or he allows trouble, something like that. So the reason why this message is so heavy is because I'm not sure how many of you um, realized that sometimes God allows or causes the trouble to happen. I know that's hard to hear. This is going to be one of those messages that um, if you are really not into your word, you might be shocked by some of the things that's going to come out of my mouth. That's why it's so important that you get your Bible yourself, that you read your own Bible, and you don't go by what someone is just kind of telling you. But we're going to talk about when God causes trouble. This was so heavy in my heart. So God led me to the book of Job. We're going to start in the book of Job. So if you have your Bible, just turn to it. And we're going to just bounce around a little bit. Because I'm not sure if everybody is really aware that sometimes God causes the trouble. Sometimes he does. We give, we give the enemy way too much uh, power by thinking that everything that happens to us is always the devil. It's always Satan. He always doing this. He always doing that. that that's typically where we go. But sometimes God causes it. Now, by the end of this message, you should be very encouraged, just so you know. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at some of the messages here. People said you're good to go. I can hear you. Okay, good. By the end of this message, you should be encouraged because this is not a message slamming God in the least bit. I love God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. You guys know that, anyone that's followed this podcast. But you got to follow this because this would change your perspective like you would not believe. It has encouraged and built me up so much. I tried not to share this today. I was not going to go live at all. I kid you not. And God is refusing to allow this fire to stay in me. So turn to the book of Job real quick because I want to just blow your mind with a couple of things. Now, many of you guys know the story of Job. Um, I would assume many of you know the story of Job. But there are some some key parts in here that we may miss at times. And and again, I want this to be interactive. So I'm going to be looking up and reading some of the comments. um, uh, And then I'll go to reading something. Then I'll look up and read some more comments. For those who are simply listening to my podcast, bear with me uh, because I'm live on my YouTube channel. And um, uh, I'm going to be interacting with the audience a little bit. So if you go to Job chapter 1. Uh, Go down in verse six. I just want you guys to check this out. It says uh, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord. 
Uh, and Satan also came with them. Well, that's interesting all by itself. I won't even get into that one. Uh, the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth. Then the Lord said to Satan, now, now check this out. Please just listen to this. Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and, uh, and an upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Now check out verse 9. This part should really uh, uh, put a lift in your spirit. In verse 9, this is what Satan is saying. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? That's interesting. Hmm. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds spread throughout the land. Stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. And surely he will curse you to your face. Now, you guys got to pick up on what I'm saying. This is a conversation between light and darkness. The Lord said to Satan, very well, then everything he has is in your hand. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now, if you read on down, it's going to it's going to get deep and it's going to talk about I guess I can read a little bit of this. I'll read. I'm not going to read it all through, but I want to read a little bit so you get the gist of what's happening. But basically, one thing after another continued to happen to Satan. I mean, to Job uh, uh, and Job knew something was going on. It says one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were gazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one uh, who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire God fell down from the sky and burnt up the sheep and the servants. And I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camp, uh, your camels and carried them all. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one escaped to tell you. Now you talk about bad news after bad news after bad news. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they were dead. And I'm the only one who's escaped to tell you at this. Listen to this at this Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked, I came from my mother's womb and naked, I'll depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. And all this Job did not stand by charging God with wrongdoing. So let's just start right there. Let's start right there. Let's just pause because this is going to get really meaty really quickly. Let's pause. Job wasn't doing anything wrong. Job wasn't doing anything wrong. Satan basically says to God, you know, uh, I'm roaming through the earth, searching and going back and forth. And God says to him, have you considered my servant? Have you considered Job? He's upright. He's blameless. Now, you can very easily run away with this passage and think, oh, my goodness. You mean telling me God calls all this calamity in my life? What kind of God is that? What kind of God would do this? What kind of God would allow it? it you can do that, but you would be messing yourself up if you go down that road because you got to know how the story ended. But let, let's walk through it a little bit. I want to kind of baby walk through this a little bit. When I, when, I, when I get into my Bible, it just does something where it puts a leap in my spirit. And I want you guys to follow the flow and follow what happened. So check this out. A lot of stuff happened with Job. A lot of his stuff was taken away. His camel, 
all of his livestock and then on to his kids. And then it goes on to say in chapter two, on another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them to present himself uh, before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Here we go again. Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth. Okay, here we go. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He's blameless and upright. A man who fears God and shuns evil. Okay, heard that before. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. Lord said to Satan, very well then, he's in your hands, but you must spare his life. Ooh, my goodness. Why would God say that? So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then Job took a piece of pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. It's interesting that she, she was left around him to give him that news. He replied, you're talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good things, good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. So let's follow this on, on this part. Think about this a moment. It's going to get better. For those who are hearing this for the first time, you may be in pure shock as I was many, many, many years ago, many years ago as a young Christian when I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, how is this encouraging? Stay with me. Don't don't lead a podcast right now. Just just stick with it for a little bit. OK, and you'll see where it's heading. Now, for those who already know where this story is heading, you should be giving praises to God because you already know the ending. What is encouraging about just this little piece? I want to baby walk this is the hedge that was around him. Someone is uh, some, someone is uh, commenting, Job did not sin in what he said. That's right. The hedge that was around him. Satan can't just walk up on you and do whatever he want to do in your life. It don't work that way. Everything was taken away from this man. The real battle wasn't even against Job. The real battle was really Satan against God, saying, I bet I can get him to curse you. I bet if I hurt him hard enough and long enough, he'll curse you. I bet if I take this away from her, I bet you she'll curse you. I bet if I cause her to lose her house, I bet if I cause her to, this relationship to end, I bet if I cause a little bit of sickness, or God forbid death, I bet you she'll curse you then. The devil is a lie. That was the real battle. I bet if I take away the security in what you've given her, I bet if I take the security in what you've given him, let me take it away and see what he going to do. See what she going to do then. Let's follow this a little bit. Try my best not to cry. Let me read a little bit of comment. Um, uh, it's 12 a.m. but had to wake up. God bless you, dear. 
Uh, someone says, hello, sisters and brothers. Uh, people are saying, say that. God bless you. Well, amen. Oh, I see a couple people on here that was on here last time. I see Bo saying, say that. Hi, Bo. Uh, Cynthia, a couple people. Good to see you guys. Okay, so this is just the beginning. I, I'm, I'm going to try to make this podcast short, but this is another one of those situations where if you got other things to do, just come back and listen to it later because I'm going to probably have it uploaded maybe tomorrow. Um, um, but let me just keep going with this. Here's what's so interesting about this. Job had three friends. These three friends came and sat with him. It says when they saw him, I'm, I'm in chapter two. It says, uh, I'm in verse 12. It says they, they hardly recognized him. In verse 13, it says, then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Your suffering's got to be pretty great for your three friends to come around you and sit for seven days. And they can't even say a word because it's just that bad. Then his friends began to open their mouths. And I wish that you guys gave me the time to walk through this like I wanted to, because I read all like 40 something chapters. And I just I know you guys wouldn't stay on this podcast for this long, but I'll just say I'm going to just bounce around a little bit. His friends was a trip. Um, his, his First of all, let's start from Job. Job, I'm in chapter three. Job's, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth per- perish. In the night it was said a boy is born, uh, that day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. Down in verse 6, he says, um, may it not even be included amongst the days of the year. In verse 8, he says, may those who curse days curse that day. Job was really feeling some things. He had everything taken away from him, including his kids. And Job is just going there deep, just saying, hey, just, just curse the day I was born. In verse 11, he says, why did I not perish at birth? In verse 25, I'm still in chapter three. Job says, what I feared has come upon me. What I dreaded has happened to me. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only turmoil. Then comes the friends. And I'm just going to bounce around with the friends a little bit because I know you guys probably won't sit for me listening to all of uh, reading all of this. But let's just start with Eliphaz. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong in chapter four. But Eliphaz basically just says uh, in verse three, think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumble. And then in verse seven, he says, consider now who being innocent has who being innocent has ever perished. Where were where were the upright ever destroyed? So I'm just going to paraphrase with that. His friends basically uh, starts telling him, you must did something wrong. <laughs> God don't just come on people like this. You must have did something. You must have did something. Uh, if, if you look on over in chapter five, oh my goodness, I just want to spend so much time on this and you guys just won't let me. In chapter five, verse 17, blessed is the man whom God corrects. So do not despise um, the day of the almighty for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heals. Okay. Okay. Uh, it, but his friends just go on to just talk about him and just say, you know, basically you, you did something. And then in verse uh, chapter six, Job says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the seas. You know, and in verse 11, he says, what strength do I have that I should still hope? He was just completely hopeless. Let me read a few comments here. Uh, uh, Carolyn says Satan has to get uh, permission from God to do anything. Okay. Um, uh, trust God, even though I don't know the outcome, Satan can't just come into my life and do whatever he wants to do. Amen. Uh, let me see here. <laughs> Marva says, take your time. You can educate us. Um, 
And and someone, I, I think the, the, the username is Blessed Chosen, says you've just answered questions I had, uh, I've been wrestling with. Um, yes, sister, uh, silence is golden. Uh, Bo says a beat-up Bible uh, is a well-read Bible. Amen to that, because I've had it for many, many years. I think I got this Bible, I think as a gift when I got married. I've been married like 27 28 years or so and I've had this Bible a really long time but anyway let me just keep going with this oh my gosh I just want to really take my time with this and, and just give the whole piece of meat to you um so I forgot where I was at I think I'm in chapter six um you know Joseph Joe he was just really feeling it um uh he says in chapter seven uh in verse five my body is clothed with worms and scabs my skin is broken and festering he says it in, in uh, chapter 7, verse 7, my eyes would never see happiness again. You know, he says in verse 11, I'll complain in the bitterness of my soul. I'm reading this through for a reason because I want you to understand how difficult this was for Job and how long this went on. And, and how Job kind of changed in his spirit a little bit. But I want you guys to read this. In verse uh, uh, 20, he says, if I've sinned, what have I done to you? Why have you made me a target? Why do you not pardon my offenses and forgive my sin? So now he's questioning God a little bit. Like, what the heck? What did I do? Anybody ever felt like that? What did I do? Why, why are you coming against me when I'm trying to do what's right? I mean, what, what's really going on? You guys know I like to paraphrase. Uh, in Job chapter 8, this is the second friend. Some guy named Bildad. Bildad says, you know, you can just read it for yourself. But in verse six, if you are peering up right, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore you to your rightful place. So his friends always had something to say. Verse 20, surely God does not reject a blameless man or strengthen the hands of evildoers. So they kind of hinting that you did something. God don't just bring calamity. I think that's the mistake sometimes we can make as I don't even want to say as baby Christians, because I don't want to sound like I'm putting anybody down and I and I got all the answers because I don't. I think sometimes we make that mistake. We think when we're doing good, when good things are happening in our lives, that means that we are doing good. And 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 and, and, and there's some there's some truth to that, that God is pleased with us and he's blessing us. But just because things are going well in your life and I'm going to get into that in a minute. That don't mean you doing everything you need to be doing. It could be you got the grace of God just allowing that to happen. And when things bad happen to you in your life. Things you can't even explain. That does not always mean that it's something you did wrong. And I know our old way of teaching, we all used to teach, well, you need to repent. You need to die. You must be doing something. This is what his friends were saying, you guys. This is why I think this is why God is like, get your butt on camera. You're going to go live with this. This is what his friends were saying. You did something. You did something. Oh, my goodness. Let me read some of these comments because I see so many coming through. Um. Take your time. Love your podcast. You're so encouraging, sister. This is this teaching is awesome. Thank you, guys. For those who are new to this, and I know my uh, subscribers that's been following me for a while get so tired of me saying this. But you guys, I have to say this because new people come in and they don't know me from Adam. I am not anybody's minister. <laughs> I'm not an evangelist. I'm not. Well, we all technically are ministers and evangelists if you think about it. But you get my point. I'm not any ordained priest or pastor or anything. Uh I'm a woman who loves God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul. And um, 
I'm just trying to encourage and help people just by sharing my mess in my life. So anyway, let me keep going. Oh, my goodness. There's so much I want to say. God, give it to me. So we're talking about Bill Dad. We're in Chapter 8, basically saying, surely God doesn't reject a blameless man or da-da-da-da-da, whatever. Chapter 9, Job, uh, you know, Job's just basically getting on his friends and saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, uh, but Job says in verse 21, although I'm blameless, I have no concern for myself. I despise my own life. Job is just feeling it, you guys. I'm just going to fly through these chapters. Chapter 10, Job is like, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I'll give free reign to my complaint and speak out in my bitterness and my soul. And in and, and chapter 10, verse 3, Job says, this sounds like something that I would say, does it please you to oppress me? to spurn the work of your hands while you smile on the schemes of the wicked. In other words, Job is like, wait a minute, I'm trying to do what's right. I take care of people. I feed the homeless. He says, a stranger never walked past my house that I didn't help house. I, I, you know, I pray over my kids. I'm, 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 I'm upright. I do what I'm supposed to be doing. And you're going to bring the calamity on me when the people that are wicked, they seem to be living fine and, 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 and get buried very well. I'm paraphrasing all of Job. When you read it through, you'll see that some of the stuff he was telling God. <sighs> Let's talk about the third friend, this guy named Zophar. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, so you biblical scholars can correct me. Third friend, he had his stuff to say. I'll just jump down to verse 11. Surely he recognizes deceitful men, and when he, um, and when he sees evil, does he not take note? You know, verse 13, yet if you devote your heart to him and stretch out your hands to him, if you put away the sin that is in your hand and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, then he will lift you up, uh, lift up your face without shame and you'll stand firm without fear. You will surely forget your trouble and blah, 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 blah. Job kind of had enough. So in chapter 12, Job says, <laughs> I'm in verse three. Um, he says, I am not inferior to you. Who does not know all these things? In other words, you saying stuff I already know. He says, I become the laughing stock to my friends. That's chapter 12. By the end of this thing, you guys are going to be able to say, I went through the entire book of Job. Um, he, I'm, I'm in chapter 12 somewhere, you guys. Uh, I, I just have all kind of stuff highlighted. Uh, okay, now let's jump to ch chapter 13. He, Job says in verse 3, but I desire to speak to the Almighty and to argue my case with God. Whoa. He said, I desire to speak to him. I want to argue my case. He tells his friends in, in uh, verse five, if only you would altogether be silent. He says, if if only you would be altogether silent for you, that would be wisdom. In other words, shut your mouth. You, 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 you giving me some religious talk. You don't know what you're talking about. You assuming I've done this and I've done that. And, 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 and you just need to shut your mouth at this point. Uh, so many messages are coming to uh, through. I'm trying to read and look at messages at the same time. Uh, Bo says um, Yahweh chastises those, those whom he loved. Absolutely. Uh, what is this? Uh, I can't read the word. Uh, Dolores says, Z, you've been, you never have to apologize for what God has called you to do. Thank you so much. Um, Carolyn said, Z, the new people will love you just as much as we do. Oh, my God, you're about to make me cry in the middle of this, Carolyn. Um, and uh, Deidre says, so Job also felt like a fool. I guess so. Someone says at this moment, I'm, I'm a Job. I've been there, sis. I've been there. Uh, and someone, is it Mackenzie? Say, I like that name, by the way. I can listen to you the whole day. Your teachings are really helpful. That is that is so amazing to hear that. Um, and uh, in uh, JK says, I'm considered pure joy, uh, brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind. Amen. Okay, let me keep reading because I'm, I'm not even halfway through this, you guys. So. 
Um, I'm trying to not have this whole podcast be 45 minutes or an hour, but it looked like it's trending that way. So, but anyway, I don't know, you guys. I just, I don't watch much TV. I probably can count on one hand the amount of movies I see in a year. Um, I'm not some big religious woman. I've some been through so much and I've seen God deliver me through so much. I literally eat this up. The the word of God is actually one of the best movies you can ever watch and I mean that with respect. That's why I'm excited that people don't read their that don't read their Bible a lot kind of get into I don't know the way that I kind of read the Bible and, and assess it. Um notice I'm not trying to convert anybody to anything, but I'm just trying to uh what is the word? inspire you to just get in your word. It's really interesting, the stories, all the things. Ha- I'm going to share a few more with you if I can just finish talking and get on through this one. I'm going to share some more. But this is like the best. Oh, my goodness. It'll sound so bad if I say entertainment because that would be diminishing the word of God. So I won't use the word entertainment. I would just say I, I can't find a movie or a script that's better than any of this that brings life. I'll leave it like that. Okay. We only in chapter 13 and we didn't even get up to 40 yet. So let me just let me just try to walk through this. My God. Um, so where was I at? Chapter 13, verse three, he says, but I desire to speak to the almighty and to argue my case with God. Um, uh, he, he tells his friends. Um, in verse nine, would it turn out well if he examined you like you got so much to say about me? If, if God examined you, would it turn out well for you? Uh, But here's a beautiful one in verse 15, which we always quote a lot. Though he slayed me, I'm in chapter 13, verse 15. Though he slayed me, yet will I hope in him. My God, I will surely defend my ways to his face. Verse 19, can anyone bring charges against me? If so, I will be silent and die. Now he's getting a little prideful there, which God going to deal with that a little bit later. But basically he's saying, can you, can you come up with anything wrong I've done? I don't think I've ever been that bold to say that, but apparently Job felt that way. In verse 24, he says, why do you hide your face and consider me your enemy? Sometimes we feel like that with God. You guys, when so many things keep happening, it's like, God, do you love me? Why, why I gotta be going through so much? I'm, I'm trying to do what's right. Now, back in the day when I was out there shaking my butt and doing all the things I shouldn't have been doing and getting in some stuff I shouldn't have been doing, I didn't experience a fraction of this kind of drama. (laughs) Maybe I just got way too personal. (laughs) Oh, my God, I'm cracking myself up right now. But I'd be lying if I said that wasn't true. You know, I didn't experience a fraction of this kind of mess. And that's kind of what Job is like. Wait, 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 wait. Why is the wicked perishing and doing what they need to do? And here I am trying to do right and you're bringing this mess on me. Anyway, I'm sure somebody going to laugh at that. Oh, my God. Let me just keep going. I'm just going to skip some pages because I'll, I'll have y'all here all day. Uh, Job chapter 18. Um, let's go to chapter 19. Job says in verse 2, how long will you torment me and crush me with your words? He says in verse 7, though I cry, I've, I've been wrong. I get no response. Though I call for, for help, there's no justice. You ever felt like that? You know? I'm calling out and I'm crying out to you. I don't know what I did wrong that's bringing this up on me. And and you ain't even saying nothing. Like, <laughs> God, where you at? And that's kind of what Job is going through. Do, do you take pleasure in seeing me suffer? 
Oh, my goodness. He says in verse 9, he stripped me of my honor and removed the crown from my head. He tears me down on every side till I'm gone. Oh, my goodness. Job is just feeling it. That's why I'm reading this, because I want you guys to just get into what he's feeling, because I know. And you know what? Before I went live, because, again, I didn't want to go live. I actually really didn't. I was going to save this message and maybe record it later and put it up. And God just kept telling me it is some people out there that needs to hear this right now. And I kid you not, I actually got work to do. You guys, I run a company for a living. I've got people I got to interview and all kind of stuff I actually got to actually go do. And God wouldn't let this fire stay inside. He's like, you're going to get in and get your butt on camera. So I'm not even supposed to be doing what I'm doing right now, but this is what God wants me doing. So I guess I should say I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Anyway, I digress. Verse 17, I'm in chapter 19. Job says, my breath is offensive to my wife. He says in verse 19, all my intimate friends detest me. Those I love have turned against me. Anybody ever felt that? But he says in verse 25, I know that my redeemer lives. My God. And that in the end, he will stand up on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. Woo! So Job was feeling some kind of way, but he says, I know that my redeemer lives. Then in uh, chapter 20, someone named Zophar uh, comes along and uh, he had some stuff to say as well. Um, you know, um, he, he says, I hear a, a rebuke that dishonors me. Um, he, he goes on to say a lot of stuff. I'm just going to jump around a little bit. Um, in, 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 in verse 21, Job, uh, Job says in verse uh, uh, chapter 21, verse 7, Job says, Why do the wicked live on, growing old and increasing in power? Their homes are safe. I'm in verse 9 now. Their homes are safe and free from fear. The rod of God is not upon them. Their bulls never fail to breed. Their, cow, their cow calf, their cows calf and do not miscarry. He goes on in verse 13. They spend their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. Yet they say to God, leave us alone. You have uh, we have no desire to know your ways. Who is the almighty that we should serve him? What will we gain by praying to him? So this is just Job kind of being honest, like, hey, how is it that they even go to they, 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 their homes are safe? They're multiplying. Why are you coming against me? And I'm trying to do what's right. Oh, this is just so beyond good. Chapter 23, Job says in verse 10, but he knows the way that I should take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his ways without turning aside. I've not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his uh, mouth more than my daily bread. Wow. Interesting. So his friend Bill Dad in chapter 25 is saying some mess again, you know. How can a man be righteous before God and re references something about a maggot and a worm and Job just kind of checks him politely in chapter 26 says, what it, what advice uh, you have offered to one without wisdom? In other words, you don't even know what you're talking about. Chapter 27, Job is just still having a hard time, um, you know. He says, my lips would not speak wickedness, wickedness and my tongue will utter no deceit. I would not deny my integrity. 
I will maintain my righteousness and never let go of it. My conscience would not reproach me as long as I live. Interesting. I'm just jumping. I'm trying to go faster, you guys. Uh, is everybody still there? Um, someone is saying, uh, I need to hear this. Someone is saying, praise God. I, too, have said the same thing. Father, thank you for using Z to deliver this much-needed message. That's from L. Anderson. I'm glad you guys are still with me. Every blue moon, I got to look up because you guys know I'm still learning this whole YouTube stuff, and sometimes I have technical uh, difficulties. Uh, chapter 29. Um, oh, my gosh, it's just so much. I, I'm just I'm asking God to give me wisdom on how much to read and when to stop. Chapter 29, verse 2, Job is saying, How I long for the months gone by for the days when God watched over me. Mm, mm, mm. Verse 5, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me. Verse 11, I'm in chapter 29. Whoever heard me uh, spoke well of me and those who saw me commended me because I rescued the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. The man who was dying blessed me. I made the widow's heart sing. I put on righteousness as my clothing, just as was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. So Job is just kind of going there like, wait a minute, I did this, I did this, I did this. I helped these people, I helped these people. What the heck? Come on, God. What the heck? Chapter 30, verse 15, terrors overwhelm me. My dignity is driven away as by the wind. My safety vanishes like a cloud. I'm still in chapter 30, verse 20. I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely look at me. You turn on me ruthlessly. With the might of your hand, you attack me. You guys get the feel of what Job is going through? Can anyone understand that or relate to that? Verse 30, my skin grows black and peels. My body burns with fever. Verse 31, if I've denied the desires of the poor or let the eyes of the widow grow weary, if I've kept my bread to myself by not sharing it with the, my, uh, uh, with the fatherless, he goes on to say, if I've done this, if I've done this, if I've done this, then I deserve what's going on. But that wasn't who I was. He says he always kept his doors open to the travelers. So now I'm in 32. And uh, there's a guy named Elihu, and he was a young guy. So after the three friends said what they had to say, Elihu came around. He became very angry with Job for justifying himself rather than God. That's in verse 2. He was also angry with uh, the three friends. These are Job's three friends because they had found no way to refute Job, and yet they had condemned him. So he went on and said a lot of good stuff. I'm, I'm just going to not even get into what Elihu said, but he was the only one that kind of got it right. You know, uh, he basically was saying, let me read a little bit of this. I don't have to rush for anybody. Um, he says, uh, he says, but you, in, in verse 8, I'm in chapter 33, verse 8. Um, but you have said in my hearing, I hear the very words, I'm pure and without sin. I'm clean and free from guilt. Yet God has found fault with me and he considers me his enemy. But I tell you, in this, you are not right. 
for God is greater than man. Why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? So he goes on basically, he's reminding him that God is God. He can do what he would, whatever he want to do. I'm skipping. I got to. I'm just skipping around a little bit. Elihu said a lot of stuff for a couple chapters. I want to get all the way to when the Lord speaks, because this is when it gets really good. Uh, because Job basically uh, started just saying over and over and over again, I want to argue my case before you, God. You need to hear me. You need to, you, you need to let me know why you allowed this to happen. Finally, in verse in chapter 38, the Lord speaks, says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimension? Surely you know. And, and God just, just checked him, just kind of went all the way through saying, who shut up the seed behind the doors? Uh, he says, have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place? Uh-oh, this is God talking now. In, in, in verse 17, have the gates of death been shown to you? In, in verse 21, surely you know, for you were already born. You've lived so many years. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of, of, of the rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no man lives, a desert with no one in it to satisfy a desolate land? In verse 35, this is one of my favorite things that God says. Do you send the lightning boats on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. <laughs> God has such a sense of humor. Verse 37, who has the wisdom to count the clouds? And uh, in, in chapter 39, verse 1, do you know when the mountain goats give birth? I mean, God just basically, for two chapters straight, two, three chapters straight was like, do you know this? Do you do this? Do you do He was putting Job in his place. But check this out. I'm in chapter 40. We're almost done with this part, you guys. Just hang in here. Um, chapter 40, verse 6. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Will you discredit my justice? Will you condemn me to justify yourself? Do you have an arm like God? And can your voice thunder like this? Then adorn yourself with glory and splendor? And clothe yourself with honor and majesty. He goes on down in verse 14. If you can do all of this, then I myself will admit to you that by your own right, that your own right hand can save you. You know, God just kind of checks him a little bit. Uh, in verse 41, uh, 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 chapter 41, verse 10. Uh, who, who then is able to stand against me? Who has a claim against me that I must pay? Everything under heaven belongs to me. I ain't even got nothing to say after that one. Then Job in, in chapter 42 says, Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No plan of yours can be thwarted. And Job says a whole lot of humble stuff. Surely I spoke of things I don't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. He says, um, you said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. And Job says this, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in the dust and ashes. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Elaps, 
the termite, I am angry with you because you and your two friends, notice he says you and your two friends, not that younger guy who said the right stuff, but you and your two friends, because you've not spoken of me what is right as my servant Job has. And then he basically tells Job to go and pray for him so he can forgive him. And, 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 and uh, um, verse 10, after Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him prosperous again. Now, you guys listen to all of that just to get to this part. Please listen to this part. And then you can just check out if you want, even though I got some more things to talk about. Verse 10. After Job, this is the very last chapter of Job. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord made him. Hmm, that means God can make us prosperous. That's interesting. The Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him before came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought upon him. Woo! And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camel, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. The first daughter he named uh, Jemiah, the second Keziah, and the third Karen Hapuk. Nowhere in all the land were there found women as beautiful as Job's daughters. And their father granted them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years. He saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. And so he died old and full of years. That is just so heavy. I got to pause right there before I go into two, three other things I want to talk about. Let me read some comments here. Um, someone said, um, uh, oh, my goodness, I'm trying to read it. Uh, I need to have the monitor a little bit closer. It says, for God is greater than man. Um, he says, I know my Redeemer lives uh, with a humble heart. I know that you can do all things. Um, finally got home, been been listening all the way home my 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 um okay I'm reading just some of the comments here did you guys catch all that happened starts off with a conversation between light and darkness starts off saying like you got this hedge around him you know I can't get to him that alone by itself should encourage you God allows the hedge to be taken away a little bit and then some more unfortunately Job went through a miserable miserable time as many of us have at times. And that's why I think the Bible is just so relatable because we all go through our times of like, God, where the heck are you? Why is this happening? I'm trying to do right and you still inflicting all of this? And we get ourselves involved in the middle, not really knowing the battle really is between Satan and God. The whole point, if you go back to the beginning of this, is Satan is saying, I bet I can make him curse you. Let me take that job away. Watch what happened. Let me let that person lose the house. Let me allow death. Let me allow an infliction of some sort and watch what's going to happen. That was the whole, it, it really, I hate to say it like this. Job almost had nothing to do with the story. That was a mouthful right there. Job almost had nothing to do with the story. 
I never forget when the elder of my church talked about this a while ago. He said, because we spend months and months just in like a few books in the Old Testament. Um, and I, I never forget he was given a timeline, you know, from David and really from Adam and Eve all the way down. And he says, sometimes we're just interjected in the story just so that God can produce and get his will done. And it may be generations later before it even makes sense. But anyway, let me move on to a little bit something else. Because for those who may say, well, that's a good example of one story of when God brings trouble, but that really ain't who God is. God don't really bring trouble on the righteous. And that, you know, that, that you, you, you may be taking this out of context. If anybody's kind of feeling that just a tiny bit, let's just keep going a little bit longer. Because when I got to reading and soaking in my Bible, honestly, I just couldn't put the doggone thing down. And I mean that with respect. Let's just dabble a little bit. We just ate a big old piece of meat. Let's, and I apologize to any vegetarians out there for using that analogy, but you get my point. Uh, let's dabble just a little bit. Let's just have some side items in the book of Exodus for those who still feel like God don't send trouble. Uh, somebody says, I'm crying tears of joy because I'm a servant of God. Amen, Carolyn. Let's just dabble a little bit because that's a hard pill to swallow. And in some kind of way, maybe you can talk your way out of it. Well, it wasn't kind of like that. Go to Exodus real quick. Go to Exodus. I, I I want to, I have chills, like the hairs on my arms are up right now because I want you guys to see how God uses Satan. When we think bad things are happening in our lives because we just focus on Satan giving him all this power, you guys got to understand that God, God knows exactly what he's doing and he uses him. Look in Exodus real quick. Just turn over back a few, well, lot of books and go to Exodus. Remember when the Israelites was leaving Egypt? I should have had the chapter pulled up. Okay, so it's Exodus chapter 14. So remember when, um, for those who don't know, I, I have to remember this community is made of people that know their Bible really, really, really well. And then it's made of people that, you know, don't know the Old Testament from the New Testament. And I mean that with respect. So in Exodus, for those who don't know, this details quite a bit of what happened when the Israelites were um, slaves in Egypt. And uh, God brought a lot of plagues on Pharaoh to finally get him to do what he needed to do and let the people go. So imagine you have, and I don't even know how many it is, I should know, let's just say hundreds of thousands of slaves, I'm assuming hundreds of thousands, uh, leaving um, um, Pharaoh to go to their own land. And keep in mind, that's how kings and people got things done. They had slaves. Um, So imagine all these slaves leaving out, the Israelites were leaving. And... Uh, in chapter 14, see, I pick up on little stuff that people just like kind of brush over. In chapter 14, God, this is so good. Um, in verse 4, this is as they were leaving. So I think at this point, all the plagues had already happened because Pharaoh was just stubborn. So when he's finally letting them leave on out, in chapter 14, in verse 4, it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army. And the Egyptians would know that I am the Lord. Let me go back up a little bit. Chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Phi-Hiroth, between Megal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert. Now listen to this, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians would know that I'm the Lord. Listen to that just a minute. 
And I, this is the Lord, said, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. He hardened Pharaoh's heart so that Pharaoh can turn around and go back after them. So if you are an Israelite at that time trying to flee and you're close to the Red Sea, I want to I want to get down here in verse 10, because I think I don't want to talk a lot. I just want to read it for, so you can get it for yourself. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. So it's like, wait a minute, God, you just rescued us. Come on. We fleeing. We finally going to be free. And I look over my shoulder. You mean telling me that Pharaoh is running after me? And you mean telling me you the cause of it? You just said, God, you're going to rescue me. You rescuing us. I'm seeing my way through. Now we look back. It's a sea in front of us. We ain't got, we, we're hemmed in. And you are the cause of hardening his heart so that he can come after us and scare the mess out of us. So listen to this. I know I'm a little extra, you guys, but I get into my word and just make it entertaining for myself to make the pages jump out. So let me start over. Verse 10. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses just goes on to say, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only need be still. And then he goes on in verse 16. Raise your staff and stretch out your hands over the sea. This is what the Lord told Moses. Raise your hand, stretch out your staff over the sea, divide the water so that Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden. Here we go again. Come on. He's sent in trouble. Listen to this. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. He uses Satan like a toy. I don't even know if there's maybe two or three people watching at this point because I know I've been talking a while. But somebody's going to really catch this and it's going to change everything. He uses Satan as a toy. He says, I will harden the hearts of the Egypt. Wait a minute. So you just hardened Pharaoh's heart. And now this is the Lord saying, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, um, through his chariots and horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of the God who had been traveling in front of Israel army withdrew and went behind. And that's when it talks about the pillar of cloud that carried them by day and the pillar of fire by night and this and that. I'm just going to kind of jump around because I still got two other points I want to make with this. And I've already been talking probably closer to 45 minutes or so. Um, oh, my goodness, it's just so good. I want to read all of it. But bottom line is Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And um, you guys know there was a wall of water on both sides. They crossed through on dry ground. And uh, in verse 24, during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He made the wheels of the chariots come off so that they had difficulty driving. This is the Lord doing this. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then it goes on down to say the Egyptians were fleeing. I'm in verse like 27. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back to his place. The Egyptians were fleeing towards it. And the Lord swept them into the sea. Whoa. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen. Interesting. 
the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the, Israel, but the Israelites went through the sea on dry water, on, on dry ground, with the wall of water on their right and on their left. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the, when the Israelites saw the great power of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in God, put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. That was a lot to read, to just make a point. Someone's putting fire all over the monitor. <laughs> Someone's saying, oh, glory. I read all of that just to kind of make two little points that, that I wanted you to capture in there is the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and the Lord, Lord hardened the hearts of the Egyptians. Depending on what timeline you're looking at, when you sit there looking at all of this mess coming your way, you may be just completely freaking out like, what the heck? <laughs> you supposed to be rescuing me, God? You supposed to be getting me out of this? You supposed to be fixing this? And you turn around and allow this to happen? When all along, God was strategizing. He needed their hearts to be hardened so that they can follow them into the sea so that they can drown. But at the time, if you were an Israelite looking at it, you would think like how they did. Were there no graves to bury us there? Why did you bring us all the way here to die? You guys get my point? Sometimes God sends trouble. Still don't believe me? Turn over to the book of Daniel real quick. You guys just called me on the wrong day because there's some fire. <laughs> My God, I'm supposed to be working right now, and I'm, I can't let this go. I, I, somebody's just got to get this in their spirit. Turn over to the book of Daniel if you still are having a hard time believing that God sends trouble. Turn over to Daniel. And I welcome comments and stuff from ministers and pastors and, I don't know, evangelists, prophetess, deacons. Uh, and I mean that with respect. Because if I'm saying anything off or wrong, please correct me. Please. I love my Bible more than anything in the world. My grandpa practically raised me. He was a preacher. So I got sermons from him not only every week but every day. And my mom, you, you could not, I don't even recall, bless her soul. I'm not exaggerating. I can't recall a conversation with my mother where she didn't mention God or scripture. Even if I was calling her to be like, mom, I'm just calling to see if you want me to pick up something for you. She would always be like, baby, you got to know that word. Baby, turn over to the book of such and such real quick. Check out what the apostle Paul did. She always had something to tell me to, to get me into that word. And I'm like, mama, I'm just calling to see if you want me to pick up a bottle, carefree curl activator for you or something. And she's like, baby, I understand. But real quickly, look at what. It, so she was always putting that word in me. And God bless her soul. I thank her so much for helping me to fall in love with God. I'm doing the best I can to do that with my children, even though they're adults now. Half the time they don't want to listen to it. But I just pray somebody out there is appreciating some of this because I'm just trying to give to you. But anyway, turn over to Daniel. I'm going to be I'm going to be shutting my mouth soon. Let me see what some of the comments are. Um our, our enemies will see that it is the Lord fighting for us. Amen, Cynthia. Kimberly says, yes, I believe you, Z. Um, uh, God, my master, the great power, Patricia says. Okay, I'm just reading a couple uh, comments in here. 
Somebody says I'm back. Hope I didn't mix, mix much, miss much. Don't worry about it because this is going to be uploaded later. When you're done with the live video, I found this out the hard way. It takes a while for the video to render. So it can take like, I don't know, hour, two hours. So seeing that I got to finish working and get my butt you know, back to some other things I got to do. Realistically, this video will probably be up tomorrow. So the entire video would be up tomorrow and you'll be able to go back through and catch up. So don't feel bad about missing out. Anyway, let me, let me, let me go faster. <sighs> Nebuchadnezzar, if you turn over to the book of Daniel, I'm not going to read all of this through because God knows I want to so bad, so bad. Read the book of Daniel. It's not that long. Daniel basically interpreted a dream for Nebuchadnezzar. That's the shortest version I can give you. Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill all of his wise people because they couldn't interpret a dream that he had. And Daniel, being as humble as he was, was like, hey, I can't interpret it, but God can. And God gave him wisdom to interpret the dream. I'm going to skip past all of that because his interpretation was on point with every single thing he told was going to happen. And then let's just say this. Nebuchadnezzar got a little bit beside himself, started getting a little bit arrogant, built some, some sort of, I don't know, statue or something, some golden something uh, in chapter three Daniel chapter three King Nebuchadnezzar uh, I'm in verse one made an image of gold Woo, 90 feet high and nine feet wide, wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon he then summoned the satraps the, the prefects the governors advisors treasurers ju judges magistrates and all the other uh, what do you call it provincial uh, officials to come to um, the dedication of the image he set up so everybody had to come and they had to every time you hear some trumpet sound or something when you hear the sound of the trumpet in verse 5 as you hear the sound of the the, the um, let me slow down because I feel like I'm going fast on purpose and I, I don't need to do that. Somebody don't have time to listen. Just don't listen. Verse five, chapter three. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship. You got to do it. So basically that was his little new rule. Right. And some people didn't pay attention. You heard about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They like ain't bound down to nothing. I'm paraphrasing at this point. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to die serving God, not some golden, not some image you put up. They basically got, you know, um, thrown into a blazing furnace that was turned up even hotter. And the bottom line is it didn't hurt them. Uh, the fire uh, uh, in verse, I'm going somewhere with this. In verse 27, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was there a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no scent of smell of fire on them. So they didn't even look like what they had been through. They basically got thrown into this furnace because they wouldn't bow down. But I'm going somewhere with this. Just follow me. Daniel, remember I said he interpreted that dream? He basically came back and had another dream for him. He's like, uh, you ain't going to like this one. I'm just giving you the shortest version. I'm totally paraphrasing. So for all of the super, super religious people out there, don't get mad that I'm paraphrasing. But Daniel's like, you ain't going to like this one because this one is against you. Basically, for the next seven years, um, you're going to kind of lose it. Um, and um, you're going to be out there eating, you know, wild grain and stuff. And you're going to basically, you know, lose your mind next seven years. Let me let me read it a little bit so you guys can follow what I'm saying. In chapter four of Daniel, um, 
This is the interpretation in chapter 4, verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High has issued um, against uh, my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Now that's interesting. God can give the kingdoms to anybody he wishes. And he said, and, and so he interpreted the dream as such. Nebuchadnezzar is like, yeah, whatever, that ain't going to happen. Verse 28, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Now check this out. 12 months later, now watch this prideful statement. 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass. That means like seven years. Seven times will pass. At least I believe it means seven years. Look it up yourself. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the most high is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled he was driven away from people and ate grass like cattle his body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird at the end of that time I Nebuchadnezzar raised my hand to my eyes towards heaven uh, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the God most high. I'm sure you did. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. And basically Nebuchadnezzar went on to say, hey, anybody that don't serve this particular God of the Israelites, you're done. This is the God that we need to serve because they spoke this on me and it happened. So I, I read all of that just to say, I did all of that just to make the one small point. God bought the trouble. He bought that trouble on Nebuchadnezzar. He bought that trouble. I'm about to wrap this up. He bought that trouble on him. Now, I'm going to keep you encouraged in case you're trying to all of a sudden get discouraged because you shouldn't be getting discouraged. What should be encouraging you is Satan can't just sneak up on you and do whatever he want to do. That's what needs to be encouraging you. But if you're still struggling with the fact that, no, God don't bring trouble on people. He's, he just gives and gives and gives, which he is a giver, my God, the giver, the giver. Read the book of Jonah. I'm not going to go through the book of Jonah because this is probably the longest broadcast that I've done so far. And I know an hour is probably a very long time for people. But read the book of Jonah. All I'll say is Jonah was the one that was told to go to Nineveh, remember, and basically tell them to repent. Now, I already did a podcast on this. It was a three-part series. You have to go back and find it. Um, but it was three parts. It was part one, two, and three. So I already talked about Jonah. But the shortest version is Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh to tell them to repent because Jonah knew that God had a big heart. He showed compassion. And Nineveh, that whole city or town, whatever you want to call it, was a trip. It was known as the city of blood, full of lies and plunder and violence, and he didn't want to go. In fact, Jonah was the one that got his butt thrown over ship, basically in a, a whale or something, a big fish whale whatever you want to call it for like a couple of days until he was vomited up on the on the land and finally did what God told him to do but you may say well what's your point with this my point is even with little old Jonah who only has about four chapters in the Bible 
what I like, it's these little nuggets that, that, that we sometimes miss that's so good. Even with Jonah, in, in chapter 4, after basically Jonah told them to repent and, and, and God basically, you know, was forgiving them. Because Jonah was so mad, he's just like, you know, I could have just stayed home. And in and, and chapter 4, verse 1, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, oh Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to tarnish. In other words, that's why I left you in the first place, because I, I didn't want to do this. I know that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, oh, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. John, he was just ticked. Like, you saw me all the way here to this horrible city where they do everything wrong, to tell them to repent, and they happens to listen, and you happens to forgive them. You waste my time. I don't even like these people. But here's the little, the little nugget I want you to get out of this. Because it was so hot where Jonah was at. In verse 4, maybe it's just me. I just get into how God responds to people. Look look how gentle the Lord was in verse 4. But the Lord replied, have you any right to be angry? Jonah went out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in the shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord, listen to this. This I said all this just to get to this one verse, verse 6. I'm in Jonah chapter 4, verse 6. Then the Lord God provided a vine and made it grow up over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the vine because it was beyond hot. But at dawn the next day, (laughs) God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided, God provided a scorching east wind and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would have been better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said to Jonah, God said to Jonah, do you have any right to be angry about the vine? And Jonah's like, I do. And he says, I'm angry enough to die. Uh, In verse 10, but the Lord said, You've been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend to it or make it grow. And God just goes on to say, should I not be concerned about them as well? I'm concerned about you. Should I not be concerned about them as well? So anyway, the point I got at with that is I just thought it was, I don't want to say the phrase so cute, but the fact that God provided shade for him. And then the, <laughs> then the next morning, the Bible has the audacity to say that God made a worm come and eat up the entire vine. And then that God provided, as though it's a good thing, this heat scorching wind to come up on him to the point where Jonah just wanted to die. That's the God that we serve. And you may say, well, see, how can you be smiling while you're saying this? Like, that ain't good. No, what's good about it is this. First of all, God loves us and he shows grace and mercy. And in all those stories, if you read them through, you'll see that he really did. This should light something in you to know that sometimes God brings the trouble. We, we walk around so fearful of what the enemy can do, what the enemy can do, what Satan can do, why this happened, why this was taken away, why this person walked away, why I lost this job, why this happened to my, my, my child, why this happened to that. Sometimes God brings the trouble. And if you can just, that's why I took my time to read so many stories. I think I gave, what, four or five examples. I can give so many more. I'm just trying not to overwhelm because when I get into word, I just kind of lose it and I, I could be there for hours. Sometimes he brings the trouble. And you got to have some maturity about you to accept that as a good thing. 
because if he allowed it to happen, a, a good friend of mine, she's actually a business consultant. She gets with me once a quarter. I had no idea that she was an amazing, amazing woman of God. Um, but that's another subject. But one thing she said to me, uh, she said, see, did you know that God orders whatever God pays for whatever he orders? She says, if he orders it, he's going to pay for it. And I had to really let that sink in. I'm like, God pays for whatever he orders. Whatever he orders, he's going to pay for it. And I thought, oh, my God, that's such a great way of looking at it. So hopefully there's something in you that's thinking, you know what? Yeah, I may be going through a difficult time. Yeah, I may have been through some bad things and some situations happen. And God knows there's been situations happen with me. Um, you guys know I'm writing a book. Um, I'll talk about that a little later. I don't even want to go into that right now. I'll just say many things have happened to me and in my life you guys have no idea about. And there are some things that's very, very difficult for me to even talk about, let alone write in a book. But as I look back, I realize all of it was necessary. Everything that I went through, God had some secret plan behind it. Sometimes God orders trouble. And my mother, she taught me this before she died. She says, baby, you want to know the secret? This is one of the last things she taught me, which is when I started my podcast, by the way. She said, baby, if you can just remember this one thing, the secret is praising God through the storm. She says, if you don't remember nothing else, you remember that. Praise your way through the storm. Now, Job actually did that. Job kind of lost it a little bit in the end when he was kind of getting a little arrogant, but Job actually did that. He had some rough days. That's why I spent some time reading it through and taking my time. But you praise your way through the storm because you know that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. So when things are happening in your life, stop giving all of the credit to Satan. Stop giving it all to him. Stop making him bigger than who he is. He's confined to just this little rock called earth. That's a whole nother subject. I wish I had time to just talk on that. Just let that go on one ear and out the other because I could just really go off on that one. He's extremely limited. That's why when all the people in the Bible, when you see about people that were demon possessed, remember, remember all of the stories, Lazarus, all the people in the Bible that, that, that had their situations when they came up on Jesus, even the man that had legions of demons inside of him. Remember, he said they called me legion because all the demons, what did they do? They always begged Jesus, like, what are you going to do with us? Are you here to torture us? What are you going to do? That he has no power over God. It's not even a comparison. It's not even a comparison. Anyway, I can get so much deeper. I so want to go into some more with this because if you study your Bible, look at who even, look at who even defeated Satan and kicked him out. It was just an archangel. One at that. And we give him all this power. Oh, he's doing this to me. He's doing it. And I, I do it too. That's why I'm speaking with such passion. And maybe that's why God had me for like hours and hours and hours yesterday just praising him. To the point where he led me to Job. I'm like, I don't want to read Job. Job is not an encouraging book. He's like, no, you're going to read it. And I sat there and went through all 40 something chapters. And it's almost like a light bulb went off like, oh my God. It's not always Satan. Now he's behind, I believe, behind a lot of it, but sometimes God orders trouble, but it's for his glory. And sometimes we may not even realize in the end is for our good in some cases. And I know that's hard to say because as my elder taught me a long time ago, it could be generations before God's plan finished doing what it needs to do. I won't even get into that one. 
but sometimes he orders trouble. That should give you some security. Let me read a little bit. Um, Oh, my gosh, it's so much. Thank you, Z. Carolyn says, thank you for the spiritual uplifting podcast. It helped not only me, um, but also others. You guys, when you get uh, in your 50s and up, at least for me, your eyes kind of start to go a little bit. So I'm trying to read all of this. CC says, good words, Z. Cynthia says, all it was necessary. Um, I didn't see it like this. Amen. Um, Carolyn says, I'll be waiting for your book. Amen. I, I, I write it as God gives it to me to write. Sometimes weeks go by and there's nothing he gives me to put in. And then sometimes I write and I can't even stop. Um, yes, ma'am. Stand your ground, people of God. Um, uh, I'm trying to read here. Uh, I'm trying to read what Marvel's writing here. Remember the word says, why worry when you can pray? Amen. Uh, Patricia says, praise your way through the storm. Amen. My mother taught me that all the time. Bianca says, thank you so much. Uh, I pray that this message has encouraged you all. I really can't believe that I'm actually live streaming right now. This was so not even in the plan, but I just have to do what God tells me to do. Um, so again, this, 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 uh, I don't even want to call it a lesson because I'm nobody's minister, but this, this podcast is called, um, what did I say I was going to call it when God, um, I don't know what that's called it when God causes trouble or when God um, brings the trouble or whatever. I don't know. I'll think of the title and get it back up. But anyway, just just let that soak in your heart a little bit that when all of these things are happening, first of all, God is aware and sometimes he brings the storms and allows things to happen. But his good and pleasing will is always going to be done in the end. Put yourselves in the shoes of the Israelites when Pharaoh changed his heart and came back after them. Because from their perspective, it's like, are you freaking kidding me? But all along, God had a plan. He needed to harden Pharaoh's heart for Pharaoh to turn around and come after them so they can be drowned in the Red Sea. You get my point? The greatest growth in my life has come from the greatest storms. I kid you not. That is not an understatement what I just said. Me having this podcast came from the greatest freaking storms in my life. Oh, my goodness. Go back and listen to some of my podcasts where my marriage was, my finances, my kids, the health of my son. It was uh, being betrayed by a friend or two. I mean, all of it at once came like a mountain. Like I felt so much like Job, it wasn't even funny. And look what, what, was, what, what was produced from that. Sometimes God sends the storms. Anyway, I pray that you are encouraged. Um, I don't know when I'm going live again. I'm, I, whenever I make plans, God always kind of comes in and trumps what I'm thinking. So I'm thinking... Maybe once a week, um, this will be good to do. I like to get into more of some question sessions or some interactive sessions where we can talk. And uh, I got to figure out a way that we can see each other. Maybe that will be cool. Um, some people are saying some things very helpful. Um, somebody said, I wish it could be uploaded today. I'm going to watch it again. It'll be uploaded tomorrow because I, I, I got to get my butt to work. I got it literally. I've got, got some people I have to interview right now, believe it or not. Um, so I'm not going to have time to get it all done. And I have uh, an amazing person, uh, Jacob, that helps me, uh, Jacob and Kyle. And uh, they won't have enough time to get it all done today. And a big shout out to Jacob and Kyle. My goodness. Um, oh, my God. They've been such a tremendous help um, with with uh, doing what they do in the background. Um, thank you, Z, for being obedient. Thank you. Stay blessed. Um, somebody said have a Zoom platform. I'm going to have to have someone look in on that for me and see how I can go about doing that. Love you, Z. Um, 
Someone says, see you minister every time you speak the word of God. Big lesson for me. Well, amen. And I'll, I'll read the last one. It says, I love your words, by the way. Um, you are good to my soul. Anyway, I love you all. You guys are beyond amazing. I don't really know where I'm going with this podcast. I wish I knew. That was one of the things I was praying out to God about. When I first started this podcast, if you go back and listen to the first one or two episodes, this is supposed to be really part business, me teaching you guys business tips and business goals and how to go about doing things from writing a book to whatever, as well as um, teaching you you know things in the word of God as well as just kind of sharing my life and just trying to inspire and help you and I honest to God don't know which way how God wants me to pivot and do whatever so every day is a new day it's just different and I'm just going to continue to walk in the flow that God gives me and I pray that God blesses me to give all of me to you so that you guys can um just be inspired in many, many ways. Please pray for me with that. Remember my 100th episode when I said I was going to be doing the healthy eating with Z? Pray for me because I've been struggling so much with doing that segment because I'm just not into cooking anymore. And I know I need to, I need to be healthier. So please pray for me that I walk in obedience and I actually record the doggone episodes um, because I've been delaying it purposely and I need not to. Um, And um, I love you guys. Um, I wanted to say something else, but it'll come to me later. I did put a YouTube short up today. Uh, and it's sort of a funny, hilarious video. So I don't know how you find the YouTube shorts. I think if you just go to videos and you, you click all, you'll be able to see it. But it's called 2021 versus 2022. And it's really funny. I just put it up today just to bring some humor and encourage you guys. Anyway, I love you. I really need to get off of this. Um, love you, love you, love you. Thank you for listening. I pray that you are no longer walking in fear and that you're no longer walking being afraid. And as things happen in your life, you know that no weapon formed against you is ever going to prosper. Ever. If God allowed Satan to kind of get around that hedge for a minute, as he did with Job, he's got a plan. And sometimes God is the one that brings the trouble. And from the few examples we saw, in every case, he had a really good reason why he allowed it to happen. So I pray that you guys rest in peace tonight with these passages on your mind, okay, and in your hearts. Love you. Once again, uh, this is Z with Unlocking Greatness Podcast. I'm going to sign out now. Bye-bye.